You are listening to Feeding the Mouth That Bites You with Ashley Parrish and Jessica Pfeiffer. A weekly podcast guide on parenting teens and launching them into the world. As always, we are joined by psychologist and author, Dr. Ken Wilgus. Hey everyone, and welcome back. On today's episode, we'll be discussing trauma in teenagers. I personally am excited to discuss this because oftentimes I feel the word is overused, mm-hmm. kind of like anxiety and narcissism. Um, so personally having dealt with trauma, um, I'm excited to cover this topic today, guys. Yeah, I think it's, you know, the term is something like um, word creep or whatever. It's creeping definition that kind of starts to bleed out from the proper mm-hmm. boundaries of what it really means, you know, and mm-hmm. we, and you're right, we discussed a similar issue with narcissism and gaslighting and, you know, and, and this is even more important that I, I told you guys, I want to make sure that we're really clear with two major points. One is that trauma is real and mm-hmm. there really is post-traumatic stress. And number two, the overuse of the word trauma. And I mean, kind of with an expectation that everyone back off, I am going through trauma right now. The overuse like that is also real. And we have to kind of think about both of those things at the same time, because I don't want to run the risk of minimizing real trauma while we're Mm -hmm. trying to help, you know, sort of pack the definition back into the word and keep it in its proper space. Mm -hmm. That's exactly right. When we talked about in uh, episode 108, gaslighting, narcissism and teenagers, we talked about how it just dilutes the true, um, the true issue here when we have right. trauma and there's real trauma and we've diluted it by labeling everything trauma. And, so, yeah, and that was a very highly listened to episode mm-hmm. like this one might, because when people see words like gaslighting, narcissism, trauma, they will absolutely click onto it. And so we will absolutely talk about real trauma, but we also mm-hmm. want to talk about the kind of overuse of that word. So Dr. Ken, would you start us off with a definition of what true trauma is? Well, okay. So what you really start with is, is what's useful. The only purpose for diagnosis is treatment. So what are useful diagnostic terms for when you've undergone real trauma? And that would be technically, basically post-traumatic stress disorder. We're now looking into other traumatic effects of things, but the most uh, common thing that people are talking about is I have PTSD. Well, the very first line, I have my my DSM-5. You can see my giant hefty book in front of me. It and looks very, like a dictionary, everyone. Well, it's, it's very it, thick. It, it, <laughs> it's about four inches thick. I'm a little person, so it looks bigger, but it's definitely a big book. But, um, you know, the first thing it says is that it involves exposure to actual or threatened death, serious injury, or sexual violence. So, you know, to have post-traumatic stress, it we're talking specifically about having experienced something that is out of the norm of human experience. So mm-hmm. as I told you guys, uh, I have had real struggles in my life and real difficulties, but I have not gone through trauma, uh, not in that sense. Uh, I've not been uh, in a situation of sexual abuse physical, uh, you know, threat of death. That's not been my life. So, um, 
but and, and we also talk about this, but you know, as Christians, we do know that we live in a fallen world, that sin abounds in this world and, and is given freedom over uh, areas of our life. And so that means that uh, we have all experienced things that are really difficult and you know, dished out harm to others. Uh, and and that's not to minimize that at all, but that's not what you usually talk about when you're talking about real traumatic events that affect your life. You want to, the most common thing to be thinking about sort of diagnostically is real or uh, threatened death, physical uh, harm, like serious injury and sexual violence. So when we say PTSD, oftentimes we'll think of veterans that have gone a, across seas or fought in a war. And so we're kind of familiar with PTSD, but we often just label it as a term for veterans. Um, yeah. But it actually is a clinical term for someone who has experienced trauma. And so while we're talking clinical wise, true trauma, uh, Dr. Ken, what are some of the effects of that? Yeah, well, and you know, it's a good point. PTSD actually came up through um, veteran services. We we've done a lot more understanding about that after World War II. It was, I think, known as, or maybe it was World War One. Actually, shell shocked. Uh, there was kind of a, uh, and there's a scene in the life of uh, General George Patton that actually affected his career because he went to visit injured uh, veteran. Uh, combat soldiers that he had great respect for their bravery. And there was this one guy, this is in a movie also Patton where this is guy sitting there shaking and, you know, kind of paralyzed, whatever can't move. And he basically was having post-traumatic stress and Patton had no patience, slapped him, told him to, you know, basically called him weak and uh, mm -hmm. get up and get out of here. And, and it was sort of that, not uh, ex expecting that you that if you're psychologically traumatized, it's because you're weak. And the balance there of of what can we expect ourselves to be able to get over is what's changed over time. And so uh, the the kind of uh, experiences that you can have due to post traumatic stress are also some of the experiences you can have without having stress but that's from a different source. So things like intrusive thoughts is quite common, but intrusive memories that kick up uh, out of nowhere. The most common way I express it is that uh, you, you get to the point where even talking about, hearing about, or things that remind you of the event will cause your body to kind of light up as if it's happening now. So, you know, I can remember uh, talking with women who were dating, for example, and had a moderately romantic experience or they were getting a bit sexual. And then she froze, like literally just couldn't move and was taken advantage of uh, in some sense it, and by a guy that didn't even know anything was happening, except that he was insensitive enough to not even notice. But that physical frozen was how her body had reacted when she was a child uh, and during being molested. So it's it's when you kind of re-experience the trauma or your body reacts that way. It's the most common way to think about it. But it's intrusive thoughts, uh, overreaction to events that you're currently safe, but your body can't tell, uh, that kind of thing. Um, mm -hmm. And I should be careful that you can hear the language I'm using is partly because of the impact. It was a really good book called Your Body Keeps the Score about trauma that has been very helpful, but also, is, I think, contributes to this creep of the 
of the use of the term. That book, um, your body keeps the the body keeps score is by Bessel van der Kolk. Um, I don't know what kind of name that is, but he's at Boston University. But uh, you know, it's um, it is the kind of intrusion that happens when you you are in a safe setting, but you are remembering or kind of re-experiencing it uh, over and over again. So that's the most common kind of experience that you have. Uh, it can certainly affect, I mean, there's, if you look at this, the, the list of symptoms that occur, I'm showing you uh, two mm -hmm. pages of all kinds of, of different uh, traumatic or, or reactions to trauma that happen in post-traumatic stress disorder. So since mm -hmm. this is a podcast on raising teens, well, let's say we have a teenager that has experienced true trauma. What do we do as parents? That's a great question because there's two different issues. There, there are probably, thankfully, not going to be a whole lot of our listeners who have teenagers that have gone through true trauma during their adolescence, like, you know, uh, death, near death, uh, witnessing that, whatever. Um, and for those teenagers, uh, a big part of, uh, the things that you do worry about how to handle. One of the first things to know is that when, when a teenager goes through something difficult, um, you do not necessarily need to run straight to a therapist. Uh, that happens a lot that, you know, and this is less than trauma, but when, you know, you worry about, uh, we're, you know, we've, I don't know, I'm trying to think of examples where it's pretty traumatic, like, uh, uh, their parent has been put in jail or um, something uh, happened to a friend of theirs, their friend died. Uh, one of the common things is for someone to immediately put your kid into therapy. And we know that that's not uh, necessary right off and sometimes can even be harmful. Uh, so it's okay to uh, basically the child is safe, the teenager is safe and very commonly, as you can guess, a teenager doesn't want to talk about it. So giving them some time, say up six weeks, three months of just seeing how they're doing is, is not uh, underreacting. But then at, at a certain point, you really do want to start thinking about uh, looking for signs that they're struggling, you know, going down in their schoolwork, uh, withdrawing, those kind of things. But remember, keep in mind that that being a healthy family where we talk through stuff and, you know, we're loving each other. That's the, probably very much more mentally healthy than quick run to a therapist all the time. That that's not the essential move. You really start thinking about uh, therapy after with a teenager that's gone through trauma uh, when you can see the, some of the signs of things, um, you know, not working out well, or when they're really beginning to kind of go downhill. Um, then the other one is, is teenagers who are now teenagers, but they went through trauma when they were younger. And, uh, that ironically is often for parents of teenagers, when you worry that, Hey, what about this thing? Isn't that because she went through that trauma when she was younger? Ironically, that often triggers parents. No, I don't mean trigger. Now see, we're watching our, our words too much. It often <laughs> cues parents to be over nurturing to, you know, kind of uh, basically not do planned emancipation uh, on pace because we just know they're, they went through so much. And that's usually the reverse of what you need to do. You really do need to uh, be careful to keep them on track. They still need to prepare for adulthood. And uh, you're kind of 
soft heart because you know they went through this or that thing. Uh, sometimes backs backfires, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Well, you sort of coddle them knowing that they've already experienced a lot in their life. You know, let's say it's a known experience too. You know, a known trauma would be something that you knew about. That's right. uh, maybe adoption. And you knew that their, their past was very broken before you adopted this child, you know, that would be, you know, obvious that this child has gone through a lot and you would want to, in some ways, make up for that brokenness and that pain in their past. That's right. There. What about if you're a parent and you're starting to see some weird things with your teenager, but you don't know of any abuse and you're starting to think, well, maybe there is something there because there was a point where that child changed dramatically. And now I'm starting to wonder, did did something happen to them that I didn't know about? Yeah. Uh, so that's the first part that, yeah, if you are worried about, it's usually something sexual for a teenager. Mm-hmm. Um, it would be, uh, if there is something, the first thing you'd look for is a sudden change. Uh, mm-hmm. We do that same thing with children who have, you know, established, you know, for example, uh, they're potty trained and then all of a sudden lose it and and they, they don't, they're not able to handle their body. But uh, teenagers would be the same thing. If there's a sudden downturn, and a significant uh, lack of participating in school and in social activities and so forth, then certainly that's a time to to investigate and maybe you know see a therapist for evaluation, um, mm. uh, because it, again a, a decline over the course of um, you know a year uh, that's that happens at points that you really you need to intervene, but it does not signal trauma. Uh, mm-hmm. And you certainly don't need to over push, you know, what, you know, I've had these parents that are just pretty sure something must have happened. They must have had some sort of abuse. I, teenagers really don't do well when you keep pushing for, you know, tell me something must have happened. Tell me, you know, that that's really hard for teenagers. It, teenagers can talk about if they really have gone through trauma, they can talk about it a lot better when they feel safe. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I think I've talked about this before. I went, had a great teacher uh, in talking to children and teenagers about trauma and uh, especially sexual abuse. And she said, you know, children can they have a sixth sense for they can tell if the adult they're talking to can can handle what they need to tell them. And so uh, if if you're a safe if you basically, if you're a parent that's very fearful and always worried and always bringing up, are you sure nothing's happened? You're going to pretty much at the same time asking about it, you'll be signaling, I'm an adult that can't handle it if you tell me. So mm-hmm. you really, it needs to come out in a safe setting that says, you know, I, I do wonder about this, but, you know, uh, um, if if that's not something you talk about now, or if it's not something that happened, I can get that too. So if there's a sudden downturn, like that, then yeah, you need to start uh, kind of maybe thinking about it uh, and maybe talking about it. But I would be careful about that kind of anxious over pushing for, you know, we've got to, we've got to talk about it. We've got to hear about it right now. Dr. Ken, let's move into misusing the term because this is where it kind of gets gray because people do experience extreme levels of hurt and pain that maybe didn't go with the definition that we read earlier. And they say that's traumatic. Is that something that like you agree with? Like, is that, or are we allowed to still use that term with that definition, extreme levels of hurt and pain? Well, okay. There was a, I thought a really good study done of they, they showed people um, uh, video or of a, of a car crash and asked them to estimate 
the speed at which the cars were going when they collided, but they use different words. So estimate the speed when the cars contacted each other. Rest, estimate the speed when they crashed into each other. Estimate the speed when they, I forget, but they used basically different words that in the words signal the significance of the event. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And yeah. there was a significant increase, like a, almost 30% increase if you used more dramatic labels for the yes. same question. And I think that's a great sort of uh, study model because it, it tells you something about answer to your question, Ashley. What about the use of the term when you tell your child and you're regularly using that term with teenagers that this has been really traumatic for you, you're really struggling with trauma, then it does have a tendency to signal to that teenager and that child that, wow, that must be the, the speed of the collision I'm feeling in, in my emotions. It, it almost, and I think this is happening on a large scale, that we have more and more young people who have an expectation that there is such a thing as a world that is not fallen and I won't have to undergo hardship, which is not a Christian view. And secondly, mm -hmm. I'm hearing words like trauma uh, that um, are signaling to me that this thing I'm feeling is huge and, and really, I need the world to step back and change because of what I've gone through. And I think we need to be careful about that. That's probably one of the main reasons that we want people to be careful about using the word. Again, trauma is a real thing. People do go through real traumatic events. But being careful that if you use the term in an, a sort of pseudoscientific term, you might be signaling that this thing you're feeling is, is way basically too hard for you to handle and you shouldn't be expected to handle that. And, you know, if anything, I think we all know that our young people are not resilient uh, at anywhere close to what they need to be uh, mm -hmm. in being able to um, appropriately put difficulties in that category, in the right category and trauma in the right category. I think this is may just be my only person perspective on this, but I often see people who haven't experienced true trauma or PTSD um, magnifying their pain, whether it be, you know, maybe a bullying situation at school or, you know, um, a difficult circumstance at home, that sort of thing, magnifying their pain. But then people who have experienced real trauma, like sexual abuse, like, um, you know, being part of a horrific accident, minimize that impact on their life. And they act as if it's no big deal. And, you know, we were talking about how, you know, that, that it's, you know, when you live with trauma, it's like living with a limp. We were discussing this earlier before we yeah, you started can keep our walking podcast. through life, but you, you might walk. You're right. And then, you know, people though, sometimes that live with true trauma, they're actually almost walking without a leg at all. They're bleeding out and everyone else is saying, do you realize how much this is impacting your life? And they're very dismissive of like, it's no big deal. I've overcome it. It's no big deal. I've overcome it. And then those of us who are um, dealing with very minor heartache and pain in comparison are magnifying our pain to make it look as if it's really huge in our lives. And it's Well, you know, that's really true. And what that usually reflects is especially people that have gone through trauma at a pretty young age. When you're in a young enough age that 
the uh, adults around you and often the abuser themselves is still defining the world for you, then it really does feel like, well, I, I think I mentioned this before. People will say, well, you know, I, it wasn't abuse. You know, yes, my parent broke my arm, but, but I mean, you couldn't really call it abuse. Uh, no, they didn't call it abuse. And you were young enough that that's how you labeled it. And so, yeah, it's very common for people who have really undergone traumatic abuse. I can think of several people that were sexually abused and said that they told someone, but the words they used when they, quote, told someone were so vague that the person kind of did not realize that they told them. So uh, that happens a lot, not always, but especially when you're young, when you undergo the trauma, uh, that you'll end up talking in, in terms that are very minimizing. And you all, part of therapy is to actually bring that person up to an adult examining of those events and realizing, wait a minute, that really was trauma. Okay, Dr. Ken. So what if our teenager is describing something to us as being traumatic Maybe their girlfriend broke up with them and, you know, they had big feelings for their girlfriend and now she broke up with them and they're just experiencing this trauma. And it's probably going to be a girl say this about a boy, not a boy. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but as a parent, we know that that instance isn't the true definition of trauma. How do we talk to our teenager about this? Is it, is it worth it having that conversation, talking them through it? Like, Hey, I know you've got big feelings right now, or you're really hurt, but. Yeah. Okay. So, and you're asking that because you and I talked before you have mm -hmm. real trauma, you know that. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's, um, it, it's easy to be offended by someone using that term, uh, overusing. But I, I think in, in normal situations, uh, there are, normal use of word traumatic. I think what where you where you need to kind of pull your teenager back is when they are talking about it in a specialized way. Like like this is a thing I've been through. Uh, I'm I'm kind of wearing the t-shirt of, you know, I, I told you uh, I've that was traumatic for me. I can't talk about boys right now because it's traumatic. It's it's not just the use of the word, it's the expectation of what that means for everyone hearing it is probably a good way to think about it, that if you're telling me it was traumatic as a word of that, that was difficult for me, then yeah, I know that must've been really tough for you. But if you're telling mm -hmm. me that I'm using that word in a sense, meaning I mean it, don't talk to me because I've been tra traumatized. Um, uh, I can't be expected to take my test because that boy is ghosting me in that class. Uh, that's when you need to talk about, okay, let's talk about trauma and trauma. Okay. Let's talk about um, trauma. And, and I think for Christian parents, trauma and a fallen world, because mm -hmm. yes, uh, you, you think you've never hurt someone by, you know, uh, talking uh, how you've dealt with them in a relationship. That is something that we have to both uh, know how to uh, kind of properly categorize that but also uh, in a way of, you know, kind of dealing with that in our faith. So I think it has less to do with whether they actually just use that word, except for, I think, mm -hmm. PTSD. Yeah, you could definitely go, hey, don't call that PTSD. But if saying they're traumatized, I think it has more to do with the implication. Does that mean that I, sh I need the people that hear me talk about this to give me special treatment? That, that's when it bleeds into a kind of, kind of entitlement. 
that uh, mm-hmm. I think is really beginning to be a problem uh, of more and more uh, use of that of terms to uh, basically kind of carve out a specialness about what I'm saying uh, when, you mm-hmm. know, no, it's it being ghosted by a girlfriend or boyfriend. Yeah. It's we've that that's part of the difficulty we all go through. You, you don't get a special place in in the halls of, you know, of, of memory you know, just because of that. So sympathy <laughs> yeah. is, is good, but not, you know, entitling, you know, if yeah. But yeah, I think that's important to just educate them in a way that's like, hey, like you said, like that you're crossing the line of entitlement here. You know, like I yeah. know, I know your feelings were hurt and I'm so sorry, you know, but come on. Well, Dr. Ken, I think this is uh, polar opposite of what the culture and the world is telling us. Everybody tells you that your truth is what your truth is and what you experienced is as much as what you say it is, you know, that whatever you say you felt, that's really what you felt. And that was valid and justified. And I think you're saying here, actually, no, there's, there are levels. <laughs> and so yes. um, let's get back to the reality of this situation and not allow everybody to have the same t- title of yeah, it's, abuse. It's, and it's, it's a difference of going through the world as uh, kind of individuals, complete, all of our lives is their own individual life versus knowing that you know, our life is part of a group, part of, as Christians, the body and, mm-hmm. uh, and how we share with each other has effects on each other. It's not just about my own uh, you know, atomized experience of my personal life. It, it is about sharing together in ways that are useful and helpful and, uh, and, and basically lift up uh, the, the body, the group. Before we wrap up today, I wanted to remind you guys that you can join us on Patreon. There's a link in the show notes. And if you click that link, it'll take you to our Patreon page. Patreon supporters are what keeps this ministry going. Well, this has been a very heavy conversation. It is um, always difficult to um, talk about things that are so painful. And I hope that the parents that are listening here have had Um, a few tips or thoughts today about uh, what trauma truly is and making sure that in their home, you know, those terms are used correctly so that we can be respectful of people who have actually experienced trauma. Thank you for listening in today. Thanks for joining us today. Hit the subscribe button so you won't miss an episode. Also, leave us a review. This is how other listeners find our podcast. Follow us on Instagram at Feeding the Mouth. We appreciate you and would love to hear from you. If you have any questions, thoughts, or ideas about what we've discussed today, please email us at podcast at feedingthemouth.com.